Gimmick, David Gimmick, it's a champion, David Gimmick makes history. And Sonny O'Sullivan is going to take the world title back to Ireland. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Jumping the Gun podcast. It's been a week since our last one and funnily enough we made it back here again. Didn't expect that. Yeah, six days in fact. Yeah, we're getting shorter and shorter. We'll be down to a daily one by next week perhaps. Possibly. Possibly. Or, or perhaps not. But anyway we've had a great bank holiday weekend full of activities. Nelly is roasted as a cherry tomato. Sundry <laughs> tomato. Um, it's like a little radiator here. Mm, mm, we're just warming up. There's a few Eskimos knocking on the door here. But what have we got coming up this week? Um, big news, of course, is Asbel Kiprop. We referred to it last week. It just about was broke after we released the podcast. He's been busted for EPO. We're going to dissect that and hear from the man himself, courtesy of a Kenyan journalist. Um, his reaction convincing or unconvincing you decide we'll be looking back on Phil Healy's sizzling run in the Tone Laguiha meeting in Waterford some of the other good performances out in China as well our race walkers we're going to be hearing from Stephen Scullion who ran a 2.15 marathon in London uh, quickest by an Irishman in a few months and it's certainly booked his spot in Berlin and we're going to be hearing him talk about how it's basically the struggles of surviving as a elite athlete on meagre finances and also I suppose the effect of going away to altitude and Flagstaff as he's where he's been he's been based in America um other action there's going to be lots of international action on the we're going to be looking ahead to the Diamond League and then looking back on last week's Diamond League in Doha but I suppose we'll start with Mr. Asbel lads did did you see this coming um no well, obviously, last week we did because we had a WhatsApp message, but before that, no, we didn't see it coming. Yeah, so it was a bit of a shock to the system, I think, but thankfully it came out fairly quickly after our podcast last week, so nobody had to be hounding us for answers to the great question. But uh, yeah, Carl, what did you think of it all? Shocked and mm. appalled. No, rattled, I guess it's not the core. biggest shock ever, I suppose, um, given his... One performances and two agent has Federico Rosa, of course, has a all the big name positives now from um, Rita Jeptu, Jemima Sungong, and that guy, the whistleblower guy whose name I have forgotten. But anyway, a couple of years ago, he talked to Hedjo Seppelt. Um, he was uh, also busted for EPO. So all the big name people who've been busted in Kenya are all from the same agency, Rosa. Are they out to get him or are his athletes just conveniently uh, doping a lot more than other athletes in Kenya? Mm. We'll soon find out, I suppose, as time goes on. But certainly, do you think, lads, it's time to come to crack down on agents? Absolutely. Agents, managers, coaches like uh, Jam Adam, for instance, all are going to be the ones who have power and influence over the athletes. A lot of the athletes are very <clears throat> green around the edges in terms of ways of the world and ways of the sport. So these uh, powerful figures can be of great influence point them in the wrong direction because that means cash lining their pockets yeah I think look when you when you look back it, it is the people in influence uh, engage these people and facilitate them like going back to obviously hark back to even people like big names like Justin Gatlin uh, Nike give him a gear contract again he's allowed in all the meets Did you say Nike give him gear oh Oh. A gear contract, <laughs> <Very> <laughs> athletic <different>. apparel, <laughs> athletic but, apparel. Yeah, but 
basically he's allowed in all the meats uh basically don't spit in the soup we were watching uh, a little bit there earlier paul kimmich talking to lance armstrong and even basso and just a point on that like uh seeing tiana bartletta and Brittany reese saying that none of them they can't get into any diamond leagues this year i think they've got one or two between them they're world champions olympic champions from the last couple of years and yet the likes of justin gatlin can stroll into any media wants yeah, and they just let they they facilitate these guys. Oh well, no, you don't have to let these people people in. Then you take someone like Dwayne Chambers, who actually tells the truth. Then he gets blocked from all the meets. So mm-hmm. it's a complete farce, really. And it is, it, it the athletics, like a lot of the places are, they're little boys' clubs basically, and mm-hmm. they all scratch each other's backs. They keep each other in the little jobs, and they keep the the wheel turning. And like if if Asbel just keeps. Uh, spinning this story that he's saying he'll be welcome back and you know mm. that's the end of that and I suppose it highlights I suppose what is he second fastest ever over 1500 uh, no no Bernard Legat's fastest Bernard Legat but it, again it's in, it's in around the grey area and I suppose it just shows you that you know allegedly or what, whatever way you want to phrase it people like Hisham Elgaruj are very lucky anyway that they're they're in they're out of the sport he's got the world record over and of course Legat's B sample was cleared so that's fine yeah, mm. as we mentioned last Inconclusive, week. Inconclusive, yeah. But uh, anyway, the story, call. So he reckons that he was being t- tipped off the night before by his uh, Kenyan doping officer. Yes. That, that he'd be on the way. And he was giving him a little 25, 30 euro every time he arrived to say thanks very much. Well, he actually claims this was the first time he paid the tester. Um, he, he said he hadn't paid him before, um, only this time. And he... he supplied what appears to be pretty legitimate proof via his phone and text message and he used an online money transfer service that's popular in Kenya to wire about 30 euro to the drug tester after he requested it and that to me seems was a very wrong now on the messages though I think it was the date maybe I think yeah. there was an explanation for that but the thing that puzzles me is why if you're a clean athlete under any circumstances would you be transferring money to a drug tester doping control officer who's already it's a it's a reasonably well-paid job i'm, I'm sure um i think like it was kenyan one kenyan and one international i think uh, tester were there why would you give them money in any case on, if you're a clean athlete you know is it is it a payment for the return favor of being tipped off about the drug test and maybe going forward and having been told the night before we know this sort of thing is not common but it, that it occurs in Kenya that athletes it's such a, a big country there's thousands of athletes literally um, you've over a thousand world class athletes in Kenya um, you basically can't keep a handle on all of them you, they, you can't have them all in whereabouts only the very 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 upper echelon are put in whereabouts I suppose drug testing it seems a bit of a farce when you look at it this way to see that some of the best in the world uh, a world champion is an Olympic champion is getting tipped off the night before about a drug test it seems to defeat the whole purpose of it I mean Kenya still has for all the progress it's made and I think it's clear they have made progress it's yeah. still got a long long way to go to get up to the standards of I suppose what we're used to in Europe and the yeah. US and I, I guess maybe it'll never be there uh, what was the story with the athletics integrity unit saying that if he admitted to if he admitted to the drug violation that he'd be given mm. an ambassador's role that's what he claimed, but, but I'd be quite... Is that not backwards? His claim, he, he explained that in an interview with Kenyan TV during the week, and it's it's quite dubious. He kind of almost went back on what he said. Initially, he said he'd be given an ambassador role in anti-doping by uh, the Integrity Unit or the IFF, 
but he sort of explained it a bit further in his interview and said that in return for an admission and some providing substantial evidence against those who were assisting him that he be possibly given a reduced ban and also could be used as a I suppose a a David Miller type character or a Dwayne Chambers type character someone who starts promoting clean sport uh, with young people steering the kids in the right direction mm. and I think it's that was what was suggested bargain, to yeah. him yeah it's a plea bargain it's obviously it's used in anti-doping Tyson Gay was one of the ones to benefit from it in America got a heavily reduced ban um, compared to say Justin Gatlin and others who've tested positive for steroids because he supplied information about his suppliers and I suppose that's one of the big goals in anti-doping is try to take down the bigger fish the ultimate fish and I, mm. if you're in the integrity unit you think you think right has Bill Kiprops tested positive for EPO it's another big name it's damage to the sport but what's the long long game here if it's it, as someone said to me earlier an agent in fact said you know if you cut the head off the beast it's it's a seven headed beast basically there'll be another one that pops mm. up there will be another Kiprop in a year's time or six months time who'll take drugs and unless you go deeper into his support network if indeed he has cheated you're never going to solve that so I kind of would commend them for trying to do that it, it's just like the Tyson Gay situation there's a lot of anger when someone like that gets a reduced sanction it seems like preferential treatment but otherwise how are we going to move the sport forward unless we truly root out the masterminds the one who are profiting from these athletes taking drugs and I think catching the big names is always good news because it means they're up to speed with what the top guys are doing and the guys who can afford to if he is doping to dope properly uh, in terms of having all the resources and the people on their side so if you're able to catch those guys who have every chance to get away with it then surely that's a good thing yeah I agree yeah it, like if you're gonna get proper relevant information that can further the cause for anti-doping it's a lot better than just slapping Asbel Kiprop with the ban I know you just met, touched on there and which also annoys me then is the, the anger and the response of people about Kiprop and stuff, they try to make it about themselves. And a lot of people keep thinking, okay, if Kiprop has in fact taken EPO or not, he's still a highly talented athlete. And I just hate the way people try to think that, like, they're being hard. A lot of, there's only a, there is only a minute number of people that are being hard done by obviously the people like Nick Willis, but the rest who think that they're great athletes, like, as well, Kirchhoff would still wipe the floor with the, yeah. without, yeah. without the EPO and stuff. And he, you know, yeah. when did he the start people, taking it? People sharing pictures with him. He didn't do them at Olympic medals. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and the outcry. Think, and back to just even like people, what, you've had it with Russia, now you're going to have it on, have it with Kenya, like that they're all cheating and we'll bang them all up and, you know, the whole country should be blocked. Like, I think it's a farce, like, because, like, even in Ireland, like we've discussed before on this podcast, but dating back to since Geraldine Hendrick in what two thousand and three, we've had a number of drugs cases. Mm. Well, we've so, had four internationals. We've had Geraldine Hendrick in two thousand and three, Cahill Lombard two thousand and four, Martin Fagan was around twenty twelve, I think, was it? If I'm not mistaken, and then you've Stephen Colvert as well, which is about twenty fourteen. So that's four athletes banned, three for EPO, one for. I forget Geraldine Hendrickson's substance Stimulus right now, but it was, it. Yeah. yeah, and like they were all considerable doping bans handed down to four senior Irish internationals. But I do, I agree Sandra's with you. I, I hate, I hate that mentality of you know, 
at one at one point I remember one of the, our friend and agent in Kenya said to me when the last two Europeans to test positive for EPO were both Irish men. You know, does that mean that does yeah. that mean that a Kenyan out there will think, oh well the Irish are all on it because Cahill yeah. Lombard and Martin Fagan were on it. Yeah. Um it's it's but it, this this kind of annoys me and it, it ties into racism as well the kind of they're all the same yeah. the mm. same kind of attitude that you find people who say I can't watch a 5k anymore it's all bloody Kenyans no personalities yeah. and it's, just like, it's like if you actually talk to any of these people or heard their stories every one of them has been through 10 times more than what the hardest life of any European or American and they, a lot of them have some of them have no personality just like some Irish people have no personality mm. I'm sure we know Same. a few out there you're listening to a few. Listening to three. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, but equally, yeah. some of them are moral, some of them are ethical, some of them are immoral and unethical. Um, don't tar everyone with the same brush because there's, as Adharan and Finn, a very good writer with The Guardian, wrote a fantastic piece there on fastrunning.com during the week where he basically said, when Americans were testing positive, we didn't say this about the Americans, that everyone is on it. So don't say it about Kenyans because mm. even when you go there, you do realise that some groups... You hear the same whispers about the very same groups, coaches, agents, all the time, and you don't hear them ever about the other one. And some are very yeah. closed off, some are very much an open shop. So, um, the was it what announced their figures for doping sanctions last week? Was it? I think it was before last week's uh, podcast. It was over a thousand. Anyway. Any guesses what country was top of Italy. the list? Italia. Yeah. I know Russia were obviously banned outright, but, but that's the classic. It was a hundred or two and two or a hundred. 42 doping sanctions for Italy there last it's year. across all sports. Across all sports, yeah. But, uh, yeah. but Ita- Italian football um, has, if you're ever bored someday, you know, ahead of the Champions League final, not that it's relevant this year, but uh, it obviously was last year and other years. Look up uh, Italian football in the 90s and one of the, the world's greatest football manager you might find has a, a good, <laughs> fine, a positive test to his name while he yes. was playing in Italy. One Pep Guardiola, the man lauded as a sporting legend. So uh, two as you're end, as you're hammering as yeah, Bell Kipper, he got away with him. He did. He got it under very dubious circumstances. He yeah. managed to get it overturned um, on Cash appeal. King. <laughs> one rule for one, one rule for another. But like we said. By all means, you can be angry at Asbel Kiprop, but uh, think deeper. And also, if you're going to be Asbel, angry at Asbel Kiprop, uh, don't go cheering on Man City too loudly during the week at, as they take as they lift the Premier Premier League title. But uh, back to Kiprop for a moment because we haven't heard from the man himself yet, and uh, he's actually joined us here in the Jumping Young scu- Jumping the Gun Studios via the magic of YouTube because uh, Kenyan journalist Sadiq Shaban I think is his name very good athletics journalist CGTN Africa he tracked him down at the track in Eldoret the other day and here's he put the hard question to Asbel and here's what he had to say mind is that did you inject yourself with EPO uh, not really it's not true to say I injected myself uh, or anyone has ever injected me with uh, any bad substances into my body, yes. And Asbel, how and when did you learn that your samples have returned adverse analytical finding? At first I learned uh, through the Athletics Integrity Unit uh, uh, st- uh, uh, guys in, on, in February. And, um, and it got me by shock. And Asbel, in your statement, you have made a number of allegations. First of all, you're claiming uh, that you're a victim of elaborate extortion plan. Well, it's true to say that because um, I've never been asked by um, the the, the, the anti-doping staff, uh, by the anti-doping people to to ever give them money. 
that it, it happened that during the 27th of November um, they did. There is also an allegation you've made in your statement that indeed money exchanged hands between yourself and the DCO and many people question whether this uh, was it a bribe and under what circumstances did you give out money? Well, they asked me for money. And not, uh, in my mind, I didn't know exactly what it was, but uh, I thought parents maybe, maybe they want tea or, uh, or maybe feel like a... And, and you were also given an advance notice that a sample collector was coming uh, to take your sample. Yes, I was given an advance notice um, a night before, which is... Uh, um, to to me is a is, is 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 a rule violation because no athlete is supposed to be told in advance. But it is indeed that I went there because I was um, to myself. I know myself clean at least, and and going there was um, to give my sample. Yes, and uh, if indeed I had uh, violated the anti-doping rule, or I had doped, or I, if indeed I I had something in my system, I, I would not go there because yet they told me a night before. He makes a good point, gentlemen. If he clearly did know the night before that he was going to be tested, why did he show up for the test? Very true, yeah. Uh, not really. <laughs> yeah, I like that bit. Where he says, did you uh, inject yourself with EPO? Uh, not really. Do you know then what? He said, then he kind of backtracked and said, well, nobody else injected me EPO either, or any banned substances either, but... To the point, though, did... Why would he show up for a test if you apparently had injected EPO or is it that he just didn't know the clearance time and said, do you know what, I'll take a chance here. He might have two missed tests already as well, for all we know. So this could be, may have been his third That's missed true. test if he did not show up for that one. And then he'd have a band like Kenny Harrison who changed her name. No, or not Kenny no. Harrison, sorry. Let's, let's be very let's clear see. here. Brianna Rollins. Brianna Rollins, now Ooh, known McNeil. as Brianna McNeil, yeah. who's back in action after her three missed tests. But uh, yeah. Hipped him Dover. Yeah, what is the clearance time for EPO? It yeah, depends how much you inject. Uh, depends how much. I, w I depends wouldn't know mic. about yeah, it personally. Yeah. What about you, Carl? How, how fast is yours clear? <laughs> we'll find out. If depends only I was, how micro you go, I suppose. If only I was good enough to be tested. But yeah, I think if you well, do micro, it can overnight. be out yeah, in 12 or 14 hours, supposedly. But yeah, if, you, if you're doing the hard 90s stuff, obviously it could be up to a week or so, mm. or two weeks. But the test is certainly getting more sensitive. Um, these days so perhaps they were just doping with the old yeah regimen they have to get the traces yeah but uh, yeah it's always amazing if you've ever been to Kenya and then you think geez there couldn't be really anyone cheating but obviously they have to go to the doctor because even just general you know where they stay and different things they're very it's very very basic like you know a little bit of refrigeration storage and stuff and I'm sure it's advanced since the last time I was there in 2003 but even still like you know obviously We've seen the Hajos, some whoever's seen the Hajos Seppel documentary there, they go to Eldoret or whatever and a doctor uh, will inject them and stuff. But again, it's, you know, there's a lot of work to do to to uh, to be cheating as well. So it's some kind of a setup. And I suppose mm -hmm. that reverts back to the old point of like, not just busting as well, crate prop, it's, it's the system around him. If, yeah. if, if he did, in fact, take the EPO. Absolutely. And let's just reflect on that. Uh earlier part of the interview for just a moment because uh, does this sound convincing to you? Did you inject yourself with EPO? Uh, not really. Is that, did you inject yourself with EPO? Uh, not really. Is that, did you inject yourself with EPO? Uh, not really. Inject yourself with EPO? Uh, not really. Yo. Uh, not really. Yo. Uh, not really. Yo. 
not really. Yo. Uh, not really. Yo. Uh, not really. <laughs> I think that's enough. Uh, not <laughs> well, he didn't really inject himself yeah. with EPO. No. Neither did anybody else that, really inject himself with any other banned substances, he says. That immediately reminded me of um, showing my age here and my sad sporting knowledge. But uh, when Floyd Landis tested positive for testosterone after winning the 2000, I think it was six Tour de France, mm-hmm. and he did a press conference the next day, and uh, he was bullshitting on I'll just say what it was lying to the people and then eventually there was a female journalist who just put her hand up and said Floyd have you ever taken performance enhancing drugs and the question just completely caught him off guard and he went "Uh, I'm gonna say no and uh, then he went on into a long spiel but just that immediate reaction to uh, I'm gonna say no and apparently Lance Armstrong rang him up and gave him a, a bit of a bollocking afterwards for, you know, you need to be far more strident in your denials than this Floyd to get away with what I've been getting away with yeah. since 1999 and possibly 1993 or earlier. Yes. Yeah, you need to be brave and all right, don't you? But, uh, yeah, uh, not really for Aswell Kiprop. So what do we think? Where is this story going to go? I think Kiprop serves a ban. I think there's probably very little incentive for him um, to if he has taken drugs uh, knowingly there's very little incentive for him to become we've seen what the sport has done to whistleblowers I mean the Stepanovs are living in hiding in America um, as is Gregory Rodchenkov many other athletes who've told the truth Matthew, by the way Matthew, really, Matthew Casorio is the athlete has just come oh, to me yes. who I couldn't think of earlier the Rosa athlete who did tell the truth um, he actually leveled accusations at Rosa that Federico Rosa had supplied him. Um, but obviously Rosa's still working in the sports, so there's nothing has been proved either way there. But I think... A bit like Mark Block. Yeah, for Kiprop. Who is banned, but still works in the sport. Still got into the well, hockey corporate let's box. Let's be honest, yeah. John Smith, who coaches many of the world's best sprinters, was shown to have meetings with a mm. Balco supplier in that whole controversy. And this yeah. is where the sport just goes around in a little circle. And uh, all those who are in favour of it being clean just cry themselves to sleep <laughs> at night. But I think I'd like to see Kiprop tell the truth, but I think there's very little incentive for him to do so because he's going to go back. You tell the truth, especially in Kenya. It's such, I suppose, Eldoret's not a big place. He tells the truth what happens. The sport benefits for it. He doesn't benefit from it. He probably has to tell on people who are close to him. Um, there's probably people in training groups, etc., who will hate him. Uh, there'll be a doctor, there might be an agent, whoever, who will be out to get him and he has to live the rest of his life in Kenya without a means of earning money and really no one cares about him if he does the right thing so I well, fully he, expect him to yeah, just who was the disappear whistle, who was the whistleblower even in the guards like and they, they were asked yeah, yeah they said they wouldn't do it again yeah I'm sure he's yeah. <laughs> given the choice still so going on but uh, would he get two or four year ban uh, I th- I think it'll be a four-year ban now mm. for EPO since the new regulations came in. I think it was 2015 they came in. Um, so, yeah. But so I hope... two-year ban. He said it was back in February, was it? He found out. So that would be he'd be back in February 2020 if it was a two-year ban. Back just World indoors, baby. World indoors and the Olympics. <laughs> Happy days. Come on. I don't know. But it, it's right, though. What's the, po- what's the point? Tell the truth. I wouldn't bother. Just take your... Take That's slap. the lesson for this week, yeah. kids. What's the point? <laughs> it is, oh, if you get caught, it, yeah. just scream <laughs> denial. Beg, forgi- <laughs> Beg forgiveness. 
<laughs> yeah, but uh, I guess we'll move on from Asbel um, mm-hmm. to something a bit more positive, and we don't, don't mean a test. <laughs> oh, hi Good news. Jerry, you're Rather. our sprints correspondent. Yeah, Tell yeah. us what was happening down at a windy Waterford. Down in windy and wonderful Waterford. I think the weather was quite uh, spectacular for sprinting, but uh, not always in a good way. I think there was only a couple mm. of legal wins, but still, at this time of the year, it's no harm to get a bit of a wind up your arse for a, an overspeed training session if nothing else but yeah that's yeah. what Colin Aguija means if anybody from outside the shores of Ireland and those yeah. people who never oh, paid I attention think, to Irish or just I think absconded from Irish I just yeah. looked at the stats yeah I think we have 50,000 listeners in the US last week yeah. so oh, we do have some all of you. there's a few native Mandarin speakers as well there off <laughs> in the Shengzhou province of China tuned in also but uh, yeah Phil Healy the two fastest ever times run by an Irish woman they were both with an illegal win, but it was 11.24, was it, with a 2.5? Yeah. And 11.16 with a 3.0 win. So 11.16, that's insane running. Like, if you put a 2.0 legal win behind that, she'd still be in the 11.2s. Mm. And that and would take a metre and a half off the Irish record. The and previous fastest time was 11.30, Annabelle, plus mm. 4.0. And it'll tell you... We didn't read Liam Hennessy's Twitter, no, so we just did that it'll song ourselves. tell you how much of a sociable person I am and what a weekend I had that on Sunday afternoon I was running her... Uh, times through an online calculator to give it a legal wind reading and yes. uh, her 11.16 with a 2.0 worked out to about 11.22 yes and even in still conditions nowhere running in a vacuum she'd uh, have run i think it was 11.34 or so in still air so the Irish record at the minute is 11.40 mm. so yeah. and this is phil Healy, who is now a world-class 400 meter runner so just having fun having the crack basically doing a training she also ran 23-0 for 200 with another hefty win behind her but uh, yeah solid days work all around never gone that fast before in her life so it's certainly going to bode well for things to come and fair play to coach Shane McCormick yeah. meet yeah, organiser and coach so yeah, multitasking when, you have, when you've got some good athletes sometimes you have to do it all yourself and Shane's exactly, got yeah. taken that to the nth degree by organising a whole meet and getting loads of Irish athletes PBs and all sorts down there however Shane I will say one thing um and that's that you know I know you didn't want you wanted to avoid the Father Ted situation of when the people who ran the raffle actually won it but giving athlete to the meet to anyone other than Phil Healy uh, you know <laughs> she did she deserved athlete yes. to the meet she yeah, handed Matthew it out instead athlete of the meet but he wasn't really he also cracked 14 <laughs> seconds though he did fair play to him 93 or 4 91 yeah 91 2.1 uh, what else was good down there I think Joseph Ojiwumi the Ojiwumi ran it. comes up and you, all those numbers are playing through wins and time back to pass Matt's yeah. here I think, uh, I equals <laughs> Joseph Ojiwumi ran a 10.59 I think yeah. a, another hefty win but still it's you know once your body goes through that kind of trauma it's uh, better prepared for it next time out. Israel Olatunde, the youth, ran 10.71 or 4, something like that. And so what did our European champion run, Gina Akpi-Moses? Uh, that was in Newham in the British Athletics League. 11.51 and... 11.46, perhaps, yeah. And they were... Into big headwinds. Into headwinds, so... Yeah, that's a good move. And like she ran 11... Was eleven six or eleven seven to win that European title last year? Also to headwind seven, yeah. But that was a similar headwind too. So she's already well up on that. It was same type of conditions, but uh, yeah, good moving by her. So she's ready for another big summer ahead. So um, can we bet on the Irish record for the hundred meters going to be broken this summer? Absolutely. Oh, I think I'd, so. I'd bet, uh, if Phil Healy decides to do hundred, the house I don't own on it. Yes, if she does a hundred on a weekend where she has free and she's. 
not uh, run down from a few fast fours, then yeah, definitely. I think it yeah. proves the point, though. In it seems to me, and from all the distances, strength is key. Yeah. Speed yes. is only the icing, but when you get strong, when you get fit, you get lean and mean, you get the results. Absolutely, and uh, yeah, we're becoming a nation of sprinters. I think is what we can uh, deduce we are from all that. We are They're firmly, the a, firmly a nation of sprinters at this stage. I think just everyone needs to cop on to the idea. And speaking of non-sprinters, <laughs> what happened oh, yeah. in Greystones, Fiona? Oh yeah, there was no sprints there. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> they do. Um, yeah, well, I suppose it just showed there's a dearth of uh, distance runners and middle distance runners. Even the fifteen hundred was essentially a bunch of kids in mm. the. 1500 meters fast kids at least uh pretty fast kids yeah, yeah. but uh, again they've got a lot of work to do look it was one in 348 by luke mccann and then keen mcphillips was 349 and 349 high and he's going to be going to the european under 18 championships he was flying in the indoor season but again you know 348 is still 348 it's a long way off being anyway Good. Now these are only young kids, so they've got a. They've <laughs> got. You hear that? You're Ian McPhillips. Yeah. You're useless. Sixteen or seventeen years of old. You're so far off being. Do good. you do you it's have any idea what Jacob Ingebrigtsen is running it's at the moment? You're on three thirty-nine oh six actually in the Peyton Jordan, and he beat Matthew Sentrowitz <laughs> yeah. and Paul Chalimo and everybody. That's all the fame cares about. However, so. he has been running about eighty-five miles a week since he was out of the crib. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's all that. Well, we can get into that aerobic conditioning. The interesting part of them doing their. Uh, it, Inline what cross country skiing skating. in the car parks. Well worth a watch it. if you've a, a hour or two free to do- Britson documentaries on Get the English YouTube. It will turn you off the idea of being an elite sports person and mm. raising an elite family. Mm. Or not. <laughs> you can raise an elite but, family, you just don't have to be sports people. But just yes. to, uh, just to kind of uh, take that point a little bit further, the point is like, you know, these guys are young guys, they've got uh, a number of years now to try and develop, but they're 18, 19, 20, but it is in the next two or three years they've got to realise that talent and move that down to 340 and faster. It's not in five years' time. Uh, if anybody in that group there is good enough to bring that forward, it's got to be in the next two two to three years. But they also don't need to be doing it this year and then not doing it in a couple of years' time. Exactly. No, no, not this year, but in the next two years or so, there's going to have to be a proper yeah. development. If you look at people like... You know, even lately, O'Leonard, Paul Robinson, a lot of them, you know, you're talking 21, 22, the, the, the shift is on, you know. Yeah, 20, like you could probably, both of those athletes, probably 23, 24 was the peak of their careers so far. Obviously, we hope Robinson will get back, but uh, it was in around them that the, that age that the PBs were popping for them. Robinson, kind of 2014, I suppose, O'Leonard, 2011. Yeah, I think we obviously said English a few years older. Mark English as well. Junior and then. Mark English ran 144 as a... Was it a 21 year old? 20 year old, I think he was. Probably, and yeah. Obviously, he hasn't run faster. We all hope he young will. Young man's game. But, uh, yeah. Is it a young man's game or are they training too hard? Yeah, too young. Uh, no. Are they training like mini adults when they're 16, 17, 18, and then when they get to 21, 22, they're running fast and then they're nowhere to be seen? Or crocked by 27? I don't think so. No, I, I, think, think I think so. once you're managed correctly, you can last a long time in the game. And History Mr. of the Mr. sport. Mr. Elliot Kipchoge yeah. is proof of that. He won a world mm. title. I know, but in, in Ireland, Ireland we're not Well, Ronnie that. Delaney won the Olympic Games <laughs> at 21 years of age. But no, but the history from Ronnie Delaney... That's Del- the least relevant point we've ever made. Okay, Sonia O'Sullivan. And we've made a lot of lead. Yeah. <laughs> Sonia O'Sullivan, yeah, 21. But now, but now, yeah. in the last 20 years, 
who has lasted the test of time. Well, when is 20 years? I will say, yeah, yeah, 1998. If we're talking yeah. middle distances, I will say a lot of athletes get obsessed with the hammering track reps uh, in at the age of 16, 17, 18, trying to be a superstar on the track and light up a 400 meter rep and think they're fantastic. But, uh, re- yeah, but when that's... really they'd be much better served by an, a six mile progression run or an, a five mile tempo run at their the proper Inge- threshold and building that aerobic the house. Breaks, that's what they're at. Look at the fitness again. If anything's to be seen by that, uh, it's disappointing. Like, you know, even going with the Ingebrigtsons, like I sent that uh, link on the story of the European athletics of Henrik Ingebrigtsen around 13, 16 as well. Great to see him back. He had a lot of hamstring injuries and stuff but I sent that to a number of lads that I coach and one of them just replies to me with, with two uh, needle emojis and like even me I was like jeez I'm one of the biggest cynics out there and, like, <laughs> and I sent it to one of the other lads and he's yeah. like look jeez we've got to believe in something mm. and, I, and I said yeah you've got to and if you also look at the Ingebrigtsons it goes back to even like Phil Healy how is she running fast even fast over the one and two I know there's a number of factors but she's fitter she's stronger again the Ingebrigtsons the key is that 13-16 Jacob Ingerickson won the European Junior Cross Country you've got to be doing your fitness training and not just hard fast speed work and I think that's one of the things the Ingerickson's had said before was like they were doing hard speed work around now and then they'd be shot then in the summer yeah, yeah. and th- that type of fitness work is key and I think Irish athletes coaches and everyone alike need to progress Oops. That's just a mistake on my part. There was a couple of decent fours on the go at the weekend there as well. Even today, uh, yesterday when you're listening to this now, Christopher O'Donnell, I think it was 47-1 in the British University Championship. He was fourth place there. Cameron Chalmers got the win with a 45 high, so it's a sixth standard over there. But yeah, he's back into good form. He was fifth at the European Juniors, was it last year? Or fourth and forty six. Yeah, it was six there, or eight. No, but he was unbelievable but, uh, at that championship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, back into some good shape, and he's run. He ran three rounds at that championships, and then uh, Cahill Crosby down in Leeville today. The Leeville Open Sports. The Dunedin athlete coached 51, by the Harris. Yeah, fifty one zero is PB going into today, and he ran forty eight twenty five. Yeah. So yeah, serious going for him. I think he's an under twenty this year as well. Still so. There's, uh, I think there's four or five athletes into the 47s already and he'll mm. probably be joining them so yeah it's a good start to the summer for the one lappers and they're all fairly young as well so once the likes of Gregan and Co get going the relay for Mr. Your Lions in Berlin there's at least four athletes running 47 mm. yeah Brandon Ari running a 47 high in the British leagues as well there and Mellon, of course, has gone 47 at the Intervarsities and a few others. So, yeah. Fantastic. And uh, not to mention the, the English bar, Gregan uh, Triumvirate, is uh, mm. keeping its powder dry for the moment. It will be emerging from spring hibernation in the coming weeks. Do you want to mention anything else from and, Tom uh, and from? Uh, There's some good hurdles, yeah, some good hurdles races. We mentioned Matthew B in there already, but uh, Molly Scott got a couple of world junior qualifiers. I think she got one, maybe couple. legal one, yeah, with yeah. in a legal race. Uh, Sarah yeah. Lavin got the win in both of those races. Liliana Hora was running very well, 13-6. Six, back yeah. I think that's surely new territory for her. She had a good indoor season, so she's she pus, pushed Lavin all the way in those. Um, Elizabeth Marlin was probably in there as well. Yeah, she was in the top four. Anyway, I think those four girls sub-14 in the first race, so that's... That was a number good of those solid hundreds what around ten sevens and all that. Yeah, lots of windy sprints, but uh, yeah, no, all around it was a successful meet once again. Carlos wheeling us on. But uh, one last bugbear, when meets say it's well organised, should a meet not be well organised? Anyway, the final point on that. Well, I think you get so used to 
to horrifically yes. organized meat that in Ireland it yeah. tends to it bear it bears a mentioning when yes. a meet is actually well organized if you're a 15 year old and you go to one of these events and you're like oh they said my race was at half three and it actually was mm-hmm. at half three you and your parents and your family and club mates will come away going I did not expect that race to be at half three yeah which, one uh, thing I, the last time I ran at TLG as well when you're kind of getting ready to race the uh, marksman came over and said okay lads eight minutes so you know you can do another run out of the block so you can do whatever else and you come over again okay, four want. minutes until the start so you know exactly what sort of time frame you have until you go because you're not wearing a watch or you possibly mm. aren't before your race so yeah. I know they know very well was. oh very well organised oh, I'm, I'm, oh, I'm only on the I'm only on the wind up yeah, there you're narky, yeah. you got your ass handed you a tennis earlier on so you, <laughs> you recovered from that I did lose six love in the end it was dusk I couldn't quite see the ball <laughs> I had a big fat bagel courtesy of Dale and Kelly um, to move on for a second because we obviously we talked about young athletes how you develop in the sport and here's a man I think who has gone wrong in his career heavily wrong in his career and heavily wrong even in his life he'll say so much himself but got things back on track in both in recent years Years. Stephen Scullion um, I spoke to him today Caleb <laughs> <laughs> Kelly Caleb <laughs> Kelly I was like we're not doing live dancing sessions anymore this is podcast time but anyway uh, Stephen Scullion yeah he went off the rails for a few years uh, became a booze hound as most of us do at some point in our lives he Never. in his mid 20s um, but he got back on the horse and lost a lot of weight after having gained it and in, at the London Marathon last month, he ran 2.15.55 in roasting hot conditions, pretty much running every mile approximately in the same pace um, to book his spot on the European Championships team in Berlin. And in, for an interview, an upcoming interview in Irish Runner magazine, I'll have a feature piece on him in the next issue, uh, which is out But you don't need to time. buy it now because you're going to hear all the good juicy details in this podcast. Yeah. I don't care. Um, anyway, uh, Stephen Scullion. Uh, so I t- spoke about a lot, obviously, but I kind of wanted to speak to him specifically about it because the big breakthrough... Specifically? He- specifically? <laughs> Thank you. I just wanted to say Must that. Must you interrupt me? Yes. <laughs> I have a big mouth. Mm. How'd that tennis go already? <laughs> well, for around 20 minutes. <laughs> um, you need to work on your endurance. Um, <laughs> Anyway, I spoke to him about because his big breakthrough has <laughs> been made <laughs> directly, I think, because he's been training in Flagstaff. He's coached by Stephen Haas, an American uh, agent coach, 28-minute 10K man himself back in the day, um, who also is coaching Edward Cheserick, who may be familiar to some of you out there. But Scullion has spent several months in Flagstaff in recent months, or in recent years, I should say. And I kind of wanted to talk to him about the mentality of going away from home and what effect that actually has on him. So here's what he said, why he had to get out of Belfast to try and get to the next level. Believe me, I've tried so hard not to travel because I don't love it, you know, like, but I know it's the best thing forward. Like, it, it, it gets the best results out of me. If I, if I go to flag, I start thinking about meddling at the European Championships. If I stay here in Belfast, I start thinking about like being the first Irish guy, running similar than I did in London, and it's just there's a there's something really positive and and bigger than the sport, like going away, being out of your comfort zone, training with really good guys, like guys like Cesarek who was trying to like break the world record indoors, um, you know, like guys like Ben Blankenship, like just phenomenal, phenomenal guys that are really good, really driven, and. Yeah, like just, just I think they, the, the camaraderie and stuff, and, and all, everything, everyone just buys into this like positive thinking and this idea of just being better, and and it just you just change your way of thinking massively. Yeah. Um, 
I left, I left like, like last, the end of February, and probably from the end of February to April, just trained a lot, just a lot more careful, you could say, which created a careful result at London, and that's what it needed to be. It needed to be a careful result to qualify for European champs. But at the same time, now that you've done that and you're qualified, I don't think it's the time to be like, just, just everything being very safe, you know? Like, I don't think being safe all the time goes and gets medals. I think you need to be willing to just push yourself and get out of your comfort zone and, and really go for it. Being safe doesn't win medals, would you agree? Uh, it depends on how talented you are, perhaps. But uh, no, you do have to push the boundaries, don't you, when you're going to try and compete at a high level and, you know, put in some hard training sessions and keep the vo- and the volume of course has to be high again so I suppose for him there he mentioned that you know going away it was as much about the mentality as the it's not so much the place as the surroundings of people um running with Cesarek and I suppose he mentioned also going over there as a 215 athlete and people are like oh well done on that but you know are you going to run 210 now and that's the next question whereas in Ireland you're kind of your thought is oh will you will you take another 20 seconds off that maybe in the autumn um You've both been abroad quite a bit as a result of your athletics. What do you think is the effect of, I suppose, getting out of Ireland, even if only for a few weeks? Yeah, I suppose that's the whole kind of warm weather training and inverted commas mentality as well. Though. It's just getting into a new environment and a new routine is always a, a nice help because you just get caught up in the, even if you're sitting on your arse all day every day apart from training, you still get drawn into doing mundane things which have some sort of an effect on your uh, attitude as an athlete so getting into a new environment can just kind of spark you back into life to saying right I need to start doing things a little bit better here and also when you're away people tend to bother you a lot less so you have that bit more time people say ah oh, he's away we'll leave him at it he's getting his training done rather than saying you're around for this and that and whatever lift to the airport and things which you don't particularly want to do but kind of just have to because you're there and not necessarily busy um, Fiona what do you think on the whole situation so you didn't really want to give me a lift to the airport that time <laughs> you're the culprit <laughs> <laughs> no but i think look quite if you look at some of the uh latest stuff even did you write the piece with julian wanders i did yeah i thought you did but just to confirm that but you know what i wrote it, I wrote it. <laughs> no but it was somebody else anyway spikes magazine spikes that org. read it now it is actually a good piece and it's a nice little video which you didn't do but it's embedded in that no i did that as well yeah but uh, Wanderers basically talks about, and we look at the Robertsons have done that as well by going to Kenya full board. He mentions about, okay, a lot of athletes will go on training camps, you know, three, four times a year, maybe for three, four weeks plus. But he said, like, you know, you're a professional athlete, you know, for those periods. Whereas, you know, he wanted to immerse himself in the environment of the best in the world in that, in that area. And, and likewise, the Robertsons did. And, you know, it's full immersion. And I do think that's key. And again, even just, you know, even for myself personally, I tried to be a good athlete one time. I moved over to Teddington in England there in 2005, six, And there is a bit of a difference when you go over there and people ask what you're trying to do. And you say you're trying to be an athlete, even in terms of the pos- positive nature of, oh, well done, mm-hmm. go for it. And I do find when uh, I was equally unsuccessful at home with trying to be an athlete, you did. You don't get that same response. It's like, oh, what are you doing for your education? What do you do? And you know, mm. and I do think, you know, you need to be in an environment where that is uh, encouraged and that is, you know, 
given its chance to flourish at its best because you know everybody wants to be well balanced individuals and you know you can do this 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 and this but like if you really want to be a good athlete and as Scullion saying to excel at the highest level and even dream of winning a medal you've got to push the ball out in training and you've also got to put yourself in an environment where that where that uh, is cradled to, mm. to succeed yep fully agree um another thing i spoke to scullion about was this sort of obviously it's all very well and good talking about all that but who is going to pay for it because there's obviously a very limited budget to come out of athletics ireland high performance and it doesn't stretch all the way down the chain to i suppose the athletes who are not the thomas bars or kira mcgeans of this world um and scullion obviously gets no funding like I suppose all the marathoners who are in around the two fifteen to two eighteen and wouldn't would money to give them for really either. Well, no, I think he he like they'd admit that there is no there's you know there's no money to be got from the sport and but that's something I kind of spoke to him about kind of you know what he did basically was retrain as a website designer to allow himself to work on a laptop with an internet connection from anywhere in the world so what he does is work a lot when he's at home in Belfast to try to save up a bit of money and then just tip away with it the odd few hours when he's up in Flagstaff to enable himself to take the train and recovery to a higher level and by doing that he uh, manages to get these long spells in Flagstaff he's flying out uh, tomorrow uh, to Flagstaff for the next uh, he's, I think he's going to stay there till the end of June he said possibly even on, up until the Europeans um, nice. but he did speak about you know it's not all glamour this elite athlete's lifestyle and I think <coughs> the following clip will give an indication of that but yeah it, it's difficult and but like I said we had this conversation me and half that it needed to be worth it to me and and I guess it is like I, I'd like to see if I can go faster like I, I'm, I don't think we have tons of talented people and like you, you were around when I was around when we mm. had Brendan O'Neill and Kierno Leonard and David McCarthy and, and all these real good guys and I I didn't even feature I was third or fourth or you know they, they were better than what I was but a lot of us just slipped through the cracks and don't don't keep going and so I sort of just it's like I feel a responsibility now for to myself and the other people that are coming through to just stick at it and no matter how tough it gets even if there's zero funding or even if there's just don't quit on it because you could always justify why to quit and nobody would question it you know nobody's going to go oh you're a lesser man for doing that every marathon I finished and I mean every marathon I probably had about 200 pounds in my bank account after it because I've invested all my money and everything I have into making it go well and but and so if I did quit and I explained that story to everybody, you know, it just, it wasn't worth it for me anymore. It was essentially making me bankrupt. Like, people would understand, you know, they'd all understand. Mm. But I almost feel like my role is bigger than that now. And my role is to just show people to find a bloody way to make it work. Like, you know, and, and even when it gets tough, like, just believe that that's what's making you strong. And that's what's making you stronger. And there's probably someone a lot far worse off and they're making it work so you know not everybody has the fancy contracts and all the rest of it but I don't know you just have to keep trying and no matter what it throws at you well it'll be even sweeter then one day if it does work out and you do run 210 or something pretty fast and if it doesn't you'll probably still just be able to live with yourself because you know you tried 
And in the end, isn't that all you need to live with yourself because you know you tried? Jar, you're what could only be described as the only member of this household still trying to be a proper athlete. <laughs> <laughs> trying. Would you say that's uh, that's pretty much sums up the, the how it gets? I suppose you turned the dirty thirty yesterday. Uh, um, at this point in your life, where obviously there is, I suppose, a bit of societal pressure to get the nine to five and build your career and build your network and all that other rubbish. Conform. But the part of you inside says I can soar once again as an athlete. Absolutely. Never conform. Especially when you look at uh, the the top list. The Irish top list is always a good one to look at because if you stop, you can only go down it. Whereas if you carry on, you have a chance to move your way back up. So your PB is never going to get faster if you give up. And if you still have some sort of belief that you can get faster, then why stop? Um, if you obviously you can afford to pay your rent and eat that's uh, generally two things you need to do in life but other than that what's the point in giving up I mean the beer is a great one in Ireland it's uh, especially for <laughs> college level athletes there's a lot to be said for the beer there's a lot to be said beer. for the beer but the thing with the beer is it's always there and if you miss six months out injured and turn yourself towards the beer you'll get very sick of it very quickly and you realise that the opportunity to go out and enjoy yourself and have a bit of crack with your friends will always be there. And if they are your friends, they'll accept you to go off and pursue your sport or your passion uh, to its fullest and give it a lash. And when you do get those mind-numbing, debilitating injuries, just give, give it a lash and stick at it and get yourself back. And eventually it might be a case where you have to pack it in, but hopefully not. But it's always worth pursuing everything to the end, like in any aspect, I think. Exactly, yeah. But it's about fulfilment, isn't it? And true fulfilment. Look, you can have a great night out, but it isn't truly fulfilling if if athletics is your chosen juncture of, you know, success or whether you do art or music. You know, the bit, the bit about sacrifice sometimes, that really gets on my wick because... <laughs> But I think Conor the it's like yeah. put his life on hold. It's like, yeah, what it's does nonsense. that mean? It's what, nonsense. what did you put on hold? You choose their life. This and is it's, your it's life. never a sacrifice. None of these things are sacrifices, as they say, they're choices. And it's it, it was rampant in the GAA for a long time that that sort of language, and it was painful. Like like people would swear they're swear they're giving up a night with like Drake in the best nightclub in LA or something just because they stayed off the pints for a few weeks before a big game, you know. Yeah. Um, so many people out there who've no real aspirations of like high success running 80, 100 miles a week because they enjoy it and they're working mm. their job and they're doing everything else, you know. So you just feel that kind of sacrifice thing. And if athletes can get out of that mentality of, you know, you want to do this, so go do it, enjoy mm. it. And you do need a little bit of backing, but just briefly on the type of the funding, if you're, if you're fortunate, sometimes you need the, you do need, you cannot rely on a governing body really because there's only finite fi finances the area of development at your age you, you hopefully have to find either support if you've got parents or guardians or somebody who can who can support you or else or else find a way and like Stephen Scullion is uh, very creative in, in terms of being able to work on the laptop and not actually mm. have to be in a particular place and I think I think those areas are, are getting even better now as time moves on that like you don't actually have to be sat in an office all the time there's lots of areas of work you can do yeah mm. well the, the price of rental spaces for businesses as well they're encouraging people to work from home so if you can sit at home on your laptop once your cursor is moving on the screen at once every 30 seconds you're technically working so mm. that's all right stick your foot on the on the mouse while you're doing your foam roll and you can keep yourself working all day <laughs> 
Absolutely. Um, we should, before we'll move on and we'll move to the Far East because uh, first we'll look back briefly because last weekend in uh, I don't know how to pronounce it, but I'm going to absolutely butcher Sandland. it. So all our no, all our uh, no. Cantonese and Mandarin listeners will be horrified when oh, I say yes. the world oh, walking. Tai Chang. Tai Chang. That's pretty good. I was going to say Tai Chang. Tai Chang. Tai Chang. Yeah, anyway, Brendan Boyce was leading Irish finisher in uh, 17th place in the 50-kilometre event. Uh, Key McMenamin was also in action, the mailman. 38th. Yeah, Alex Alex Wright had another DNF, unfortunately. We don't know the circumstances around it, but at least it wasn't a DQ, I suppose. So maybe some solace in that. They brought in that pit lane uh, stop thing. So if you you get your three red cards, you have to go into the, the old pit lane stop and you have to sit in there for around two or three minutes and then... You get to go out again, and then if you get another red card, though, you're DQ. Oh, so you've got a and intriguingly, yeah, yeah, intriguingly it's British kind of funny. athletic. You just have to stand there. Intriguingly, Tom Bosworth, actually, funnily enough, ended up in that pit lane. Oh, yeah, stop. because he runs all the time. Yes, because he wasn't in his British meet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that was one of the biggest farces of the indoor season. Him running around. Was it? In, where was that? He and did before that people come he in, he ran yeah. the whole way around. And what he, actually was it Berm? No, it was Glasgow. Was Glasgow. it? Glasgow. He mm. just ran. 1500 meters and, and we around. know the walk is at one it's an art and one foot has to appear on the ground at all times but it clearly didn't the knees were bending he did it again in london actually to be fair he did it and got dq'd mm. it's it's just it's just ridiculous behavior just going out yeah. like that all the time and trying to get away with it you yeah. know what i mean trying to whisper the loudest mm, but uh a bit of tea power lads oh yes is there a better song from the 80s? I don't think so. I sure haven't heard it if there is. But uh, our final oh. point, because the Chinese Shanghai, the Chinese leg of the Diamond League in Shanghai this, I think it's Saturday or Sunday, shows how well researched we are. Um, but we have researched the fields. Phelan, what have we got to look forward to? Uh, just before we go to forward, just briefly, Cherno Samba did strike the sand yeah. in the 400 hurdles. 4759. 47.52 I think it was. You're like fairly bloody outrageous. He won by over a second and a half. Looks like he can break 47 seconds for yeah, the man me from Mauritania. Yes. and uh, But that was one of the good results in Doha. Forward to uh, Shanghai though. Uh, did, did someone say... Uh, this was off the cuff but how could we not? You may have heard the mouse clicks. You may- we better stop playing this, we're going to get done for copyright. Yeah. Oh, there it is. There's the trumpets. Oh, Samba. Anyway, he Samba was a good Dijana, well. he was nowhere in Rio de Janeiro. Yeah. Um, but this weekend, we've got some very good races to look forward to. In the women's 200 metres, we've got Daphne Schippers, um, Shawnee Miller-Weibo in, from the Bahamas. Um, that would be a good clash. Blondie, silver, grey hair. Anyway, I'd heavily favour uh, Sean and Miller Weibo in that clash. Omar McLeod, uh, who Ippy. pulled out of the 200 yeah. in Doha. He just went to Doha for the holiday, didn't he? Do we know why he pulled out? He, he had enough. tightness in the warm-up. I am tightness in his warm-up. <laughs> I am a real loser. <laughs> he had a very tight warm-up. Uh, he's taken on Sergei Shubinkov. Um, Justin uh, Gatlin is no back. No particular place. Of <laughs> <laughs> uh, white Nike vest. No fixable. <laughs> I have no particular place to go. Um, anyway, 
Justin Gatlin's back. Oh, the bad man. Oh, he's so bad. <laughs> <laughs> he's against, but he's up against Su, Tintin. Su Bing Chan, or is that Bing Chan Su? I never quite know. The Chinese, the Chinese Tintin, Tintin yes. Yeah. It's always back and forth. Um, but he's a, a bullet man indoors, so we'll see how quick he can go. He's already run sub 10 outdoors. Um, that might be good enough to get it done this weekend. Andre, kiss my ass, the grass is in there. Oh, exactly, yeah, is he? dumped it in Doha. Is he going to mm. be like these former players like Marcus Short, 30 goals in the Premier League, and then Canada barn door the following year? He's well, now he was heavily injured there mm. to pull out of the Commonwealth, so I um, figure his season is get going quite slowly. It's it's four months nearly to the... It's three and a half months to the end of the Diamond League, and it's four months to the Continental Cup, so the, there's a long way to go in this season, people, and you have a long summer of podcasts ahead of you. Yeah, yeah it's a nothing year, really, for Degrasse. Um, I suppose just trying to get well, back. Well, the Powerhouse would have been his big one. Well, yeah, but yeah, the, since com that's the commies, mate. The commies, yeah, can't wait for the commies, mate. Um, Kenny Harrison is in the 100 metre hurdles against uh, Brianna McNeil. Brianna it was a great McNeil race, actually, was, in Doha. Was hammering her, well, not hammering her, mm. she was beating her last weekend in Doha before she hammered a hurdle. Um, Unfortunate for yeah. her um, on her comeback race. It felt really, really bad for her. Um, Luvo Manyanga mm. um, is in the long jump, so he might be going long. He might. Who's Hopefully the, so. Who's the lad who wears? It's Godfrey McAwenna, isn't it? Where's the old black glove? Yeah, he was it? so 2011. Yeah, I saw him there jumping as old glove. That was great, though. Actually, look, we all hang on. Uh, Christian Taylor is in not the triple jump, not the pole vault, not the 10k, not the hundred. What's he running, Phil? I believe he's running a lap of the track. What does he run? 45-1, I think, is his official. 0 Zero. Or zero. Or so, yeah, yeah. Was it? Oh, I Ish. don't know. Yeah, anyway. He's going to be taking on Steven Lightning Gardner. Yeah, 43-75 there. No national record for himself in Doha. He's a beautiful athlete. Tune in to Shanghai at mm. whatever crazy hour it's on. I think it'll probably be on yeah, Sunday so. afternoon or Saturday yeah. afternoon, our time. But tune in just to watch Steven Gardner's beautiful flowing stride. His stride is about seven metres long. It's fantastic. Just shows you don't have to be big and muscly either, particularly in the 400. I remember I was well, he's run sub twenty for two hundred as well this year. So, yeah, but if you see him, he's like pencil thin. I remember even yeah. seeing I mooched my way into the athlete area to twenty seventeen in uh, London, and he's wearing a pair of jeans. He was like a distance where they were just sort of hanging on to him. Get a bit of bail and he's a pencil. He's pencil thin. Yes. But he's razor sharp fast, isn't he's he? Long and lean. Yeah, so Fred Curly Fries is also in that your favourite menu. Um, <laughs> Bow legged sprinting king. <laughs> Mr. Quads. Yeah, so that should be a good three way clash there, although, yeah, it should be Gardner versus Curly, surely. Good um, to see Triple P back against Taylor there in Doha as well. Oh, Pedro Pablo Paul Picardo. Pierce. Paul Peppered Picardo in the uh, triple jump, 1795 to take yeah. the W. And of course, we, the, 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 the Drei Deutschen in the Javelin last weekend, all mm. over 90 metres. First Uber. time three men have ever gone Uber 90 metres. Neunzig. Neunzig, yeah. Uber Neunzig, yeah. Super cool. Yeah. So anyway, that's been the Jump of the Gun podcast for this week. Um, we're sorry for the personal counselling session. Phelan wants to bring up a certain race in Prague, though, before we go. Just briefly, Galen up 206.07, three minute PR. That's all I've got to say about that. Mm. Then he vomited over the line. That was delicious. Yeah. <laughs> I saw that on Twitter. Yeah. I'd say he was on the smash the night before. <laughs> Surely. Classic unprofessional Oregon project runners. Absolutely. But anyway, yeah, we're going to try and get the podcast out on a Tuesday, hopefully from now on. But of course, no guarantees. But We weren't going to go head to head with Blind, but I thought we had a good chance there. Yeah, well, I think he yeah. won the first round, so we just backed down immediately. Soon, Blind Boy, soon. Anyway, thanks for listening in and we will catch you next week. Bye. Slant.